Hi, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Fan Rag Sports Premier League podcast. We are without Seb today, but uh, Paulie and I are here to touch on, boy, three different competitions, a little more than normal uh, through international. Don't you find it weird that, like, Seb always gets sick right after the U.S. plays a big game? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Which is, I mean, it's funny because he follows them almost as closely as you and I do, but he does does tend to be absent afterwards. Well, you know, I mean, he's he's, uh, a... got twinned allegiances with the Swedish national team, but he certainly knows more about the U.S. national team than I do about Sweden's or anybody else's. For yes. Oh, well, yeah. That's yeah. But that's because he like is shoved U.S. national team stuff in his face, whereas yeah. we would have to go out of our way to find Sweden. Yeah, that's that's for sure. Um, well, anyway, before without any further ado, the U.S. men's national team took on Serbia yesterday and. Uh, friendly that marked the beginning of the second iteration of Bruce Arena's reign as manager. Uh, Paul, you saw this game. I was on the road and I did not. But uh, so what? Are... I don't brag about that though. I do not brag <laughs> yeah. about that. <laughs> yeah, it was not exactly one for the ages, ending in a nil-nil draw, and also devoid of, I think, the biggest names, not just for the U.S. but also for Serbia as well. No, devoid of the biggest names for Serbia. Unfortunately. It wasn't devoid of the biggest names for the U.S., and I think that's problem number one for the U.S. Yeah. Well, I mean, we're, you know, Ivanovic and Matic there, they, or Kolarov, they weren't in the lineup, were they? No, Serbia was playing with their, like, C slash D team. Yeah. Like, the, Serbia had, of the 18 players in the match day squad, they had a combined six caps coming into the game. These were These were all players making their debut. It yeah. was... You know, Serbia was just, we're here to take a nice, like, uh, I don't know if you know this, but San Diego at this time of year is a little bit nicer than Serbia at at this time of year. And the fact that, like, U.S. soccer was ready to pay them to come and make a trip here, Serbia was like, yeah, sure, absolutely, done. We'll do that. So that's what Serbia was. The U.S., though, I mean, start naming the biggest names to the U.S., and most of them were there. Howard, Pulisic, Dempsey, Okay, you're all right. Oh, let me, let me. You're focusing on the names that aren't there, but I mean, <laughs> let's focus on focus on the guys that have the most caps. Who have the who have the four most caps out of current U.S. players? Oh. Dempsey, Howard, Altidore, Bradley. Yeah. Two out of four of them were there. Yeah. Uh, who who always starts next to to Bradley? Jermaine Jones. Jones. He was there. Yeah. Who seems to always pop up somewhere on the field? Ali Bedoya. He was there. So what so, you're saying is there's been radical change since the U.S. soccer shook things up and what I will say is what Klinsman. I what I will say is is it took Bruce Arena and admittedly you know I'm not a fan of him and I was a fan of Klinsman. I wasn't I I think I said this I I think I I don't know if I made myself clear on it I wasn't a fan I wasn't opposed to making a change from Klinsman as long as you had a plan. In yeah. place, and I was very opposed to the the plan is Bruce Arena. No, well, I, I didn't think that was a good plan. And I also, I'm not even convinced that the plan is Bruce Arena. I think the plan was hit the panic button, scuttle the ship, and then realize, oh crap, all we have is a dinghy, and that dinghy's name is Bruce. Right. Well, no, I think the plan is oh Bruce Arena for two years, and then someone. Well, who's the someone? Yeah. And I don't know if Bruce Arena is the right guy for the next two years. It took him about a minute. Like I, I mean, since he took over, he pledged fresh start for everybody. Like yeah. everybody gets a fresh start. Uh, Queen Sleep, and immediately the name that came up was Benny Failhaber because he's been tearing it up in MLS and everything. I'm okay with a fresh start and a clean slate for people, but not for like known quantities. There's certain things that we know about certain players and there's just no reason to give them a fresh start in that regard. And it took Bruce arena precisely 10 seconds, but for him to lose all his credibility with me because what he said about the dual nationals a few years ago, and then when he tried to clarify it, when he became, when he became the coach, and then what Donovan said and what Howard said, all of the topic, all the talk recently has been about what we need is somebody who, who can instill pride in the shirt. And 
there are certain players that they play with more pride and certain players that you question how much pride they have to play with the U.S. And Howard said that and he got in trouble and then he immediately clarified. He goes, look, I'm not talking about dual nationals necessarily. He goes, yeah. there are American-born players that are – that." you know, lack pride. And Bruce Arena said the same thing is, it's, I don't care where you were born as long as you want to play for the shirt. Yeah. And what does he do in his first game? He starts a guy that four months ago turned down a call to the national team because he didn't yeah. think he would get enough playing time. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I, I think that that's, I, but at the same time, this is just like, this is just kind of trying to get the temperature of the waters and I also don't know that we know exactly what happened behind the scenes in terms of, of course, speaking of Darlington Nagby and like what happened between Nagby and Arena between his appointment and this fixture. Now, I, I mean, I agree with you that his commitment can and should be suspect after the way that he carried himself. But we don't know. Behind closed doors, he might have had a conversation with Bruce Arena that said, yeah, I'm not proud of what I did, but it was because I disagreed with the manager. I've always been proud to, as you say, Paulie, wear the shirt. Now, again, like that's giving him the benefit of the doubt. We don't know what happened. We, you know, maybe he didn't say that. Maybe he said just, yeah, whatever. Okay, I guess I'll go now because it is, as with Serbia, nicer in San Diego than it is in Portland at the moment. I can say that right. I mean, on firsthand experience because I'm here right now, but. I know whenever whenever a player opens their mouth, the f- focus goes on the dual nationals. I will never, I will never call into question the commitment. When whenever somebody talks about the commitment of players, the names that pop into my mind are Fabian Johnson, simply because Quinsman actually sent him home to think about his commitment to the team, mm-hmm. but he kind of gets a free pass uh, because he's either our best player or our second best player. Uh, Timmy Chandler comes to mind because he took forever and a half to commit to playing to the U.S. Uh, but Darrington Nagby certainly comes to mind. You know, I don't question the rest of the guys. I, I think Jermaine Jones has made it more than clear that, you know, he will give his all for the U.S. John Brooks, if you know his backstory, um, he's a guy that is 100% committed to the U.S. I just – I didn't like the fact – that you you stressed all this stuff about you know commitment and all that, and then Darlington Nagby is in the starting lineup of your first game. Having said that, having said that, Darlington Nagby was pretty much the only bright spot on this <laughs> yeah. U.S. team, and I will fully admit that. Um, the other reason that Arena lost his his um, why he lost his credibility with me is the team he put out there was just arrogant. That was arrogant on Arena's part. Bruce Arena literally threw out a team that pretty much said, I'm going to do everything that Jurgen Klinsmann wanted to do, and it's going to work because the only problem here was Jurgen Klinsmann. Hmm. He put he put us into a 4-3-3, which uh, I don't know how many times Jurgen Klinsmann tried to do that with us, and it didn't work. And I'll tell you, and the reason that it never worked was because Josie Altador can't play as a lone striker. Yeah. So because of that, we always had to revert to a 4-4-2. So Arena goes to a 4-3-3 and the whole media goes, oh, we're going to play more attacking and everything. We didn't play more attacking. We sat back and we, we didn't attack at all. We got one shot on target against Serbia's D team at home. Yeah. I mean, that's... Imagine if this if this happened with Quinsman at the helm, people would be calling for his head. Yeah, even well, in a friend. Yeah, I mean, but but I think that you you do have to give at least a little bit of uh, a grace period, even for the ravenous media calling for the sacking of a manager. You know, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying I don't trust when what you you came in and you've said we have to hit the ground running and. You know, everybody's got a clean slate. There's got to be changes made. but and, and the media bought into that tone. But at the same time, you also said Bradley's our captain. Yeah. You know, out the door's our striker. Jermaine Jones is a key cog in that midfield. And it's like, well, wait a minute. Where's the change going to come? Yeah. Because right there, that was what was evident was the problem. Is we learned 
from September onwards, we learned that, that the team is better with Sasha question on the field. Yeah. We learned I, that. I agree with that. Okay. What we already know is Josie Altador can't play as a lone striker. So, you know, managers love Michael Bradley. He's the captain. We need to put him on the field. All right. So Bradley's got to be on the field. Everybody loves Jermaine Jones because we know he's our best central midfielder. So now Jones has to be on the field. So now it's like, well, we got to put question on the field. It's either do we play out the door or do we play question? If you go to a 4-3-3, the midfield gets better, but the attack in the final third gets significantly worse. And yeah. I think that I think that outweighs the midfield getting better. And I think what ultimately, if if we can learn one thing from this game, you cannot play out the door. Bradley and Jones at the same time. I've, because uh, yeah, because if you have to do it in a four three three, you're screwed. Because Altador can't be the lone forward. If you have to do it in a four four two, you're screwed because the Altador Bradley partnership like has become competent, but it's it lacks a creative element. Well, yeah, I think has become competent is damning with faint praise there. <laughs> yeah, but I it's better than it used to be. Yeah. Well, we'll we'll find out a little bit more in Bruce Arena's second match in charge my of the Stars. My only other issue with Friday. it, like that was that was my issue, was you threw Quinsman's players out in the same roles that Quinsman played them, and you just expected them to play better because Quinsman isn't the manager. Yeah, you know, I, like you I know, mean, Ali Bedoya is not an attacking winger. He's a winger who has the ability to tuck inside and man mark a player out of the out of a game, and you know can put in a shift and be a hard worker, but in a four, three, three, where you need him to provide an attack, that's, that's not out. Yeah. He can't do that. So like, why play him there? Well, you know? I mean, I think that going- there's the one, the, the last thing I'll say on this is that I do think that there, and admittedly I'm playing devil's advocate a bit here, but I think that there is something to be said for, you know, saying, okay, from the view from, 3,000 feet as I look on to this team, knowing some of these players personally, like being familiar with the system, is that I don't think that things are working, but let me try that and see how things look when, you know, I'm managing them myself. You know, the, I guess... Yeah, maybe it's a little arrogant to assume that it was. It, it was arrogant. I don't. I don't know. But you can. I think you can spin it the other way and saying maybe it is in fact humble of him to say, "Okay, let me actually get on the ground and see what's happening within the game itself, and then choose how I would man manage based on how I see things are working or not working." And cool. admittedly, this is like a glass three quarters full when maybe it's in fact just three quarters empty. So I, I mean, here's the thing, though. It's you're all right. So you want to you want to go to the four three three, which all right. We know Altador can't play as a lone as a lone striker. He even said after the game, like, "Oh, everybody knows I'm better with a, with a yeah. partner." All right. So why Bedoya? You know, if if you went if you went to a four three three, yeah, and and you had your full if if you had the full U.S. player pool to pick players out of, and you're Bruce Arena and you're sitting there and you're going, I'm going to play a 4-3-3. I mean, where's that? Where's Bedoya on the depth chart? I don't think he's there. No. No, but... You know, like, you're, you're definitely playing Pulisic over him. Uh, yeah. If you could find a left back, you're playing Fabian Johnson <laughs> over him. Uh, if, you're, if you're Bruce Arena, you're probably playing Giassi Zardes over him. Yeah. Oh, so... God. So just right there, it's why play Bedoya? Why not just give somebody else a look? And that was my problem with left back because that's the other question mark. It's, it's look, left back, right back, yeah. left back, right back. You know, how hard is it? Like the manager, the manager really only tells you how forward you're going to get. Uh, other than that, it's just defend and fly up the flanks. We know what Greg Garza is. He's a very average player who's never really going to take the next step. Yeah. So you've got this guy, Jorge Villa Villafana. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody's high on everybody's like, Oh, I don't know why Klinsman never gave him a look. And, and mm-hmm. he might actually be the guy. Why yeah. not give him a look? No, I mean, I, you're going to, you're going to hear no argument from me on that one. I thought he was brilliant with the Portland Timbers. And in fact, I think he's a large reason why they won the cup, you know, not this past year, but the year before. So, you know, that was that was my only issue with him. It was just you played known quantities where we know how average they are. Yeah. 
And if you expected them to be better because you think you're better than Quinsman, that's arrogant. And your tactics were let's sit back let's sit back and counterattack yeah. Serbia's D team at home, and that's not good yeah. to bode well. That's not gonna bode well going forward. And to be to be perfectly honest, we should have lost this game. Greg Garza should have given up a penalty. The ref missed that. And uh, it, when it came down to the scoring chances, um, Serbia had the better chances. Gramando made the save. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I can't say, obviously this isn't a whole, hugely encouraging first toe in the waters, but we'll talk more about Bruce Arena's first round of fixtures after he's had the second match in charge, which will be this Friday against Jamaica. So we'll talk more about that a week from today. Um, we saw a little more in terms of fireworks this past weekend in the FA Cup. A couple of high-scoring games with Arsenal hitting five and Chelsea and Man U both hitting four. Um, well, why don't we start with the Arsenal match? Uh, you know, obviously. What a game for what a game for Arsenal! No kidding. I mean, it was I I was uh, like an a, okay game for Arsenal and a great game for everybody that hates Arsenal. <laughs> Because no, because now Van, now Wenger is going to think that Welbeck and Walcott are like really good players again. I, whatever. I'm I'm we have you know anytime we're flying with five stars, I'm not going to complain. Like I and and I did. I don't know, Paulie. Maybe you saw Wenger's comments about never having had as deep an attacking squad as he has at his disposal right now. That yeah, that's hyperbole. That's that's definitely hyperbole, but. Nonetheless, like, you know, it's it, not it would like, be like it's not like we're playing it would third be like, tier opposition. Even a skeleton crew Southampton is still a mid table Premier League club with one of the best farm systems in the country. I mean, yeah, Wenger saying like we have the best attacking squad I've ever had would be like Mourinho saying, Oh my god, look at the people that I have to play right wing. Like I have Mikitarian, I have Juan Mata, and I have Jesse Lingard. It's like one of those three isn't like the rest. Yeah. And that's that's Welbeck and, and Walcott. It's yeah. it's yes. Uh Giroud's on great form right now. Continue to ride that out. Uh, obviously you, you want to rest him for the league so you can continue to ride that in the league. Go for it because you are playing a skeleton crew, Southampton. Um you have Sanchez and Ozil until I guess July. <laughs> so continue to ride them out. <laughs> Well, that was but, one. That was one thing in this game that I was surprised by is that he brought. This Alexis is going to be Sanchez. typical. This is going to be typical Wenger because now he's now he's going to be like, oh, but we have Welbeck and Walcott. We can rely on them, and it's like, it's it. It would be like, it would be like Ali Bedoya hitting a hat trick against, uh, let's say hitting a hat trick against Guatemala at home, and the U.S. managers being like, well, we have Bedoya. Yeah. As like an attacking midfielder, he can hit, you know, like, okay. Or, or you know what attacks you? It's like Josie Altidore's career. Okay, elaborate. <laughs> it's like Josie Altidore's career. Like, oh, he could start, he could score goals against bad CONCACAF teams or European B teams, like when he's playing in these friendlies at home. But when it comes down to like, when he actually comes up against a team that knows how to play defense, He's not really going to score. He's not going to score. He's not going to be that useful. And Walcott's more able to adapt. Welbeck is more like you really need to pick your spots with him. Yeah. But but the thing is that I think that they if they're if they're man managed well, then there's there's still I all right. First of all, I don't think that Theo Walcott or Danny Welbeck are or will ever be world beating players, right? But nonetheless, I also think that this Arsenal team is better when they're both fit. And yeah, that's fine. You can call them kind they of. They are. Yeah, they they're, are. They're, here's here's they're where my players, concern. That's fine. We need those kind of players, especially right. no, this I agree season. I agree with you. Here's where my concern would be, and it was the same concern that I had when Fellaini scored another goal. Is oh crap, he <laughs> might pick them ahead of the person that actually should be playing and would make us better. Yeah. Yeah, I'm. I guess I'm not. I'm not overly concerned about that. I have at least enough faith in Wenger to, you know, fill the team sheet with what he knows to be the best quality, and not put too much faith in, you know, he's the form very, that a like single that cup thing, match no. dictates. He's very, but like he. But see, here's the thing, because 
you you say it like that, like, oh, he's not going to take into account like the form that a single cup match will be. He's going to what managers do is they say, no, the cup match is going to give him the confidence that he can carry that over in the league. No, I mean, I think that. But so I was surprised to see Alexis Sanchez come off the bench to begin with. Because you know, we were, you know, so we were already came into that game. Yeah, and we were already, you know, free and clear. I mean, he, you know, he had some great bits of play I get, that's and like just got an assist. Out. But that's that's to give him a run out. Yeah, well, but but the corollary though being that it was also to take Welbeck off, considering Welbeck is coming back from injury. So you I couldn't think, give anybody else. You couldn't you couldn't throw a right back out there to put right wing. Well, no, <laughs> I mean that's like well, I thought I thought that he should have brought on a Wobi and then moved Perez centrally, but, you know, I mean, it's, Alexis is Alexis. He's always going to be chomping at the bit to play, and... That's I, true. He was, he has been vocal about being mad that he's been... Which is insane. He's, he spent more minutes on the pitch than anybody else on the team. Like... Dude, I, well, dude, dude, stop right now. Stop. Like, you're complaining that your best player wants no, to play. No, I'm, I, I'm, I'm totally, I'm totally fine with that. It's just... It it is. This is like this is like twenty five year old Wayne Rooney. Like Sharouts yeah. couldn't bench him because he was just like, no, I want to play. Like he was upset that he had to sit out League Cup matches. Yeah. <laughs> uh, which and again, like I, that's a quality in Alexis I really appreciate. But it's a quality that you know, had he torn his ACL in the eighty ninth minute of a game that had been won for forty five, then. I, I would be less yeah, forgiving you, about you'd that. You'd feel the same way in the league. You'd feel yeah. the same way if he did that in the league. Like, well, you know, the, league, the league is very different, right? Is uh, I don't know. But, all right. Uh, Southampton mailed it in. Screw them because what else are they playing for? Yeah. You know, They have no shot at the top six. They're not getting relegated. Yeah. I do understand that, you know, that they have a chance to win a trophy because they are in the League Cup final, but why not go for the FA Cup? They mail it in. You guys... Let's focus on this. You're going to Sutton. Yeah. My God, that's that's incredible. I'm I'm really. It's a no-win situation for you. Well, no, no. It's that that it is that is literally untrue. <laughs> what do you? Whoa. I mean, you if you go to Sutton, you win the game, and it's like you had to win that game. You're playing a non-league side. Well, yeah. You I, don't win that game. I hear what you're saying, but you can't, you know, you can't look at this as anything but good from an Arsenal point of view, right? Like, um, in all honesty, when I was talking about the draw, uh, I was like, you know, I'll, I'll go to Huddersfield. I would, I would love Sutton or Lincoln at home, you know, something like that. Love a home draw. Uh, I'm much happier going to Blackburn away than I would be going to Sutton away. I, I Blackburn away is going to be tricky too, man. But well, uh, we went like 30 years without losing to Blackburn. That like ended recently. But I mean, that ended on like 2008. But we went like 30 years without losing to Blackburn. I'm I'm pretty content with going to Blackburn, but. See, Sutton's tricky for a couple of reasons. One is the fact that you literally have to go and play on a high school field. Yeah. I mean, there are, there are high school football stadiums in Texas that are bigger than Sutton Stadium. I, I would believe that. I would believe that entirely. <laughs> Sutton Stadium holds 5,000 and I think only like 2,300 seats. Yeah. Um, two is it's a turf field, and that's where it gets tricky. Oh, that I did not know. What? Have you not been watching the FA Cup? <laughs> I've, uh, I mean, Have I've been, been watching Arsenal pictures. Because like, Sutton has actually had both of their games on TV. And I've, I've, so I've been watching them, and I've just been like, Sutton Stadium is awesome, except for the fact that it's a turf field, and I'm, I want to be watching like a mud slop fest. Yeah. And so Sutton has a turf field, which, one, means like, you know, certain players, they can't play in that game. Uh, and Sutton have like used the turf to their advantage because sliding on turf is not easy. Uh, the ball bouncing, Sutton's used to it, Arsenal are not. At the end of the day, there's not a single first teamer for Arsenal that's going to play in this game. 
Mm, I I don't think that's true. I mean, if my first team, Danny Welbeck, Danny Welbeck will play in this game. Yeah, uh, maybe Per Mertesacker. Yeah, he's still be, alive. It'd be a good one. I mean, he was he was back in he was in the team uh, against Southampton, but he didn't come off the bench. Sanchez, Ozil, Walcott, Ramsey. It, maybe it will be. No, I think I think both Ramsey and Iwobi could play in that game. Anyway, we'll, we've, we've got some time before that happens. Field, though. Wait, you're looking at a turf field where, like, think about all the players that come to MLS and they just won't play on turf fields. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I understand that, but I also... You're looking at a turf field, you're looking at all the stuff, you're looking at a non-league opponent. Your reserves, your academy team, your U18 team should beat this team. Yeah, but the, they but should. You've, but you, you've got to take it a little more seriously than that, right? Like, I understand if the only names that we're used to seeing in an Arsenal starting eleven are players like Per Mertesacker, who have been injured for a while and are just coming back into a team where, arguably, even fully fit, they don't have a place. Players like Aaron Ramsey, of whom that is not maybe not quite exactly true, but he still certainly hasn't played himself into the kind of form we've seen from him the last couple years. You know, you're still going to get players who are you know, like international superstar footballers. Now, if they're, if, are they, they going to be the minority? The, yes, they're going to be the, the minority. Benefit? What's the benefit to that? Because you can't, I mean, you can't totally mail it in. It's the last 16 of the FA Cup. Like, I mean, you and I have talked on this show previously about how angry we are when teams totally mail it in. Like, for example, when Wigan mailed it in or when Brighton or Newcastle mailed it in and they got beat. But that's Wigan and that's Wigan and Brighton and Newcastle. And and if you're if you are Arsenal and you're playing Sutton in the third round of the FA Cup and you only played three first teamers, would you be upset? No, that's but but this is what I'm. That's why I'm saying okay, is that it's, it's not going to be totally. Game. Used. It's the same game. It's just a different round. It's the same game, though. It's the same game. Yeah, I, but I. Well, I mean, I expect to see players like you know uh, Maitland Nils, who you know we don't really see him in first team right, personal okay, action much at all. You know, we're going to see players go. like him, like the Jeff, like Lucas Perez. It's going to be. Fringe yeah, players right. and youth players play. predominantly, but there's still going to be a core of senior but it's, players. It's, you also have that – there's the turf aspect. There's the fact that literally – I don't know if any Sutton player will leave the, the, the Sutton box at any point in the game. Yeah. Well, Because but, think of – well, you're in the fifth round. So first of all, Sutton have done tremendous to get there. Um, their, their story they're – the, they're the story of the FA Cup so far. Um, they were hoping for an away game. Think of what a payday it is. It would be to go to the Emirates and lose nine nil. Yeah, but what kind of payday would that be? Well, so here's the thing, though, is that well, I, I think that we're mostly in agreement, and that the Arsenal team that will travel to Sutton and South London will be a predominantly youthful and reserve squad with a couple, a couple key, you know, like we said, maybe a murder sacker. You know, maybe it's Ospina. Sutton's manager, Sutton's but, manager yesterday said said we're a non-league club and we have no ambitions to be a league club. Yeah, which again, but but what I'm what I'm saying though is that in terms of reverence for the cup and also combined with yeah maybe concern over the field but not overduly so. If if Sutton nick a goal and this game is one nil Sutton United with Arsenal trailing in the 77th minute, you better believe Arsene Wenger is putting Alexis Sanchez on that field. I, just, I can't even see Alexis Sanchez being on the match day squad. But this, but this is exactly why it's a no-win situation for you. Hmm. No. I, I'm, well, I mean, when I said that's literally untrue, obviously because it's, you know, win, lose, or draw are the possible tripartite outcomes in this game. But I, I think that... You know, is is it a little nervous when you ever, whenever you go into a situation when you are so clearly, extremely the Goliath, then all the weight is on you. Yeah, but I don't know. I'm I'm looking forward to the game. We'll leave it at that. But we should. Oh you know, yeah, no, it's gonna be a, it's gonna be fantastic. But yeah. I mean, again, 
think about it this way, and and I know Louis Van Hall was the uh, was the manager at the time, but you know, United traveling to Cam- when Manchester United traveled to Cambridge United two years ago. Yeah, I remember that. Like, it was hard to imagine us getting a win because Cambridge, you know, it's a tiny field, tiny stadium, and they just packed it in the whole game. Yeah. Yeah. You are literally. And don't forget the impact that fans might have on a game. When you get the fans behind you and you get the noise and everything, there's none of that at this at this no. ground. You're literally playing in front of five thousand people. Yeah. Well, We're, it'll be there are players. There are players like more in a week than this game will get at the gate. Yeah. No, that's that. That's definitely true. Uh, and in in fact, I'd say probably. Most players at Arsenal earn more in a week than this game will get at the gate. But that's that's what is. But kudos, kudos to the FA because I, I'm sure I've been advocating for it. But they 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 definitely started rigging the draw. <laughs> kudos to the Football Association for they rigging definitely the draw. started rigging the draw because there were there were for the last sixteen. We were down to what seven Premier League games, which commentators and articles were written how United were like in great position to retain the FA Cup for the first time because there were only seven Premier League teams left in the tournament. Like, hey guys, five of the top six teams are still in the tournament. Um, not a single in the fifth round. Uh, we're going in the fifth round. Yeah. Fourth round, only two games. Two games in the entire fourth round yeah. were Premier League versus Premier League team games. Not a single game in this round is a Premier League game no. team versus a Premier League team. Two percent chance of that happening. Yeah, but I mean, as you were saying, you know, a little, I guess, less than a year ago, when we were talking about the FA Cup, that this is, and as you referenced earlier, just you know, a few minutes ago, that this is exactly what. The you know the Millwalls and the Oxford Uniteds and the Lincoln Cities want is that they they want to be playing higher league opposition. Do, that's, but that's if you want to make the final, it's like it, you you do need that like Manchester City versus Chelsea matchup. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, like you, one of them gets knocked out. Yeah, you can't rely on Wickham to knock out Liverpool for you. No. So this is this is great because the the like you know you got the Wickham upset and. Now you got so you got the Wickham upset over Liverpool. So was, all was, these matchups, Wolves over Liverpool, Wolves over Liverpool. Oh yeah, Wickham, yeah, Wickham almost beat Tottenham. Uh, Tottenham and then dropped it at the right. end. Assholes. So you got the you got the Wolves over Liverpool upset, and you got the so so the draw now with all these smaller teams playing the big teams creates interest, but you're gonna end up with Arsenal, Chelsea, United in the semifinals. Yeah. And that's just going to create the big money interest. But you know, if we if we go into the quarterfinals, it, like this is I I love a round of sixteen that looks like this. You know, with you know teams that were once perennial top flight clubs like a Blackburn or to a lesser extent, but to some extent like Fulham. You know, playing Manchester United, playing Tottenham Hotspur, and then you also have the. You know, really deep lower teams like Sutton United, like non, you know, a non-league side. Uh, to me, it's to me, it's just like the NCAA tournament. It's like the third round's exciting because anything can happen. Yeah. And then you get the upsets. You get the small teams moving on. Uh, in the fourth round, you know, most of them falter, but you know, maybe something happens. And then once you get to the round of sixteen, it's like okay, all the big teams just take care of business. Yeah, I don't, Which, I don't but, know. But I will say this. I will say this. It's good for interest in the fifth round to have the big teams be playing the small teams because, uh, like, usually towards the towards the fifth round, you get, you know, just your mid-tier Premier League team playing, you know, you get your, your 10th place Premier League team playing the 4th place Premier League team, and it's like there's not a lot of interest in that if it's not your team. Yeah. So now it's now you you still there's still interest in all the games except for the fact that what and uh, more evidence why these games were all rigged is all the Premier League teams are away, Arsenal's away, United's away, Chelsea's away, 
Manchester City's away. I think Tottenham's away. Boom. Top five teams right there. Away. Rigged. Yeah. Well, I'm not going to go so far as to suggest the FA Cup, the FA rigged it, but I am going to say that I look forward to the round 16 of the FA Cup. Um, hey, hey, I've been, I've been advocating rig it and make this tournament better because this, this is a good job by you. Well, in any case, we've got, uh, we've got those fixtures coming up uh, weekend of the 18th, so it'll be a little over two weeks from now. Uh, coming up tomorrow, however, we have back to EPL action with a bunch of Tuesday and Wednesday midweek fixtures in the wake of the FA Cup at the weekend. Um, well, we've talked a lot about Arsenal already. Why don't we start with the Arsenal-Watford match? I mean, this is this is a Watford club that – they in, in the EPL, they drew 2-2 against Bournemouth in their last match um, in – the FA Cup at the weekend on Saturday, they crashed out one nil to Millwall. I mean, Paulie, do you see? Do you do you give them much of a shot in this game away to Arsenal at the Emirates? Watford? Yeah. No. <laughs> Watford? <laughs> no. They've been bad for a while. Yeah. Um, and Arsenal. This is like when Arsenal kind of start to take you know turn the corner in their season. February, right? They usually play well. Yeah, although often it's too little, too late. Whether Chelsea right. is able to and falter it, enough to make that the case, too little, too late. But, but yeah, but this is when this is when they start to you know do do their fun things, like, you know. And I just oh, and Arsenal are fresh. Yeah. Now, I mean, do you think that so you're saying that Watford haven't been they haven't been in great form for a while? I mean, they they lose this game. They're currently sitting in 14th place, and they they do have an eight point cushion above the relegation zone. But I mean, do you think that they're in any danger of facing a battle for the drop if they continue the skid of form? No, no. You think they're safe? No, and Watford, yeah. Watford are safe, and I will tell you why. Um, second. My friend literally asked me earlier this year or earlier this week about Leicester, about Leicester and falling into the relegation battle, and the answer is no because Sunderland, Hull, Crystal Palace, and Swansea are legitimately just really freaking bad. Yeah. So I, I mean, you I think- you need to be so like in order to in order to fall into the relegation battle, you need to be so bad. Um, and somebody down there, someone in the bottom four has to actually turn it on and become good because like Watford sitting there with 24 points, Burnley with 26, that's not great, but they're not really at risk. I, I don't know. I, 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 I can't see, I can't see a team like Crystal Palace or even, or even Hull making up six points on Watford. No, I, I see. I am. I don't know. I, I, I go so far as to agree with you in that. I think Hall and Sunderland are both doomed. Um, I think palace is probably facing the drop also, but if I could see Leicester Middlesbrough, well, Leicester and Middlesbrough definitely overtaking Watford in the table. I could Swansea's harder to see. It's fine. It's, it's just stay up. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the, if that's the sum of their ambitions, which would be totally fine and understandable for the sum of their ambitions to be, stay up, then they're not in terrible shape. But they, you know, they do need to put something together soon. But I also, I just don't, I don't see it happening this weekend against Arsenal. So, well, again, and 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 also the top six doesn't. It just no longer the top six just doesn't drop points against. Small against teams out of the top six, especially at home. Yeah. Well, I think probably the yeah, arguably, and I would say probably the premier fixture of this weekend is going to happen at Anfield. As later in the day tomorrow, Liverpool host league leaders Chelsea. Um, I mean, mean, you mean the top, the the number one team versus number four team? You're suggesting that maybe that's the best game of the week? Maybe. 
<laughs> but I but the thing is that the number four team is not playing like they're in a Champions League spot of late. I mean Liverpool. But they get Sadio Mane back. Yes, they Sadio do. Mane. Uh, what kind of fatigue he'll be carrying with him from Africa remains to be seen. But when did when did he like when did they they lost on Sunday? Mm-hmm. All right, so he flew back on Sunday. Yeah, so that's... he has a day to rest. This is what I don't get. Like I don't get why people say, oh, he might. You know, he's. Maybe not fit because he's returning from the African Cup of Nations. Like, I'm sorry, did they not play 90-minute games in the African Cup of Nations? Like, if I you're mean, playing there, how are you not fit? Yeah. I there's, – but there's a lot of fatigue and travel time involved. I in, understand like, that part. I understand that. But when they just say, oh, he may not be fit because he's returning from the African Cup of Nations, like Riyad Mahrez the other day who returned like four days beforehand. Yeah. And they're like, well, he's not fit. I mean, what do you mean? He's not. He hasn't played with his. He hasn't played with his team in a while. Yeah. But, you know, the guy played ninety minutes and every hit in four games. Yeah. I. I mean, I think that fatigue's a factor. I think travel fatigue's a factor, and as you said, I think the lack of recent playing time with his club and rather being with his country is going to have an impact. I still think we're going to see Liverpool him on the pitch. Desperately need Sadio Mane back. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Having said that, having said that, Chelsea are just a better team. Yeah, and I, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't. I I give Liverpool a fighting chance, not just to take points off Chelsea, but to even win this game. But I still think that you know, if you're if you're putting a bill on this, you got to put it on the Blues. Game's at Stamford Bridge, isn't it? No, no, it's at Anfield. Oh, okay. Yeah, Liverpool. And me. I, I mean, but the thing is that they're even though they've been in a rough patch of late, uh, I they're they still have that extremely unpredictable quality about them that could you know they could hit five one week and then go scoreless the next. And I don't I don't think I'm not saying that I think that they're going to hit Chelsea for five. I don't th- I don't know that you know now that Conte kind of has his system in place and it's clearly clicking. I don't know that anyone in the world can hit Chelsea for five at this point in this season. But I do think that they could squeak three points out. You know, they just all, all the cylinders have to be firing and we haven't seen all the cylinders firing from them in a while. But then again, you know, their form has been up and down all year. So I I think Chelsea are clear head and shoulders favorites, but it would be, it would be foolish to say that Liverpool doesn't have a chance playing at home. No, I would say that. Yeah. Because they've they've been that bad. You know how many games they won in January? Uh, one? Didn't they win one? one? Right at the beginning? One. Yeah. No, one. One. Plymouth away. Plymouth That's away. the only game they won. Plymouth away. You know, they beat they beat Manchester City on New Year's Eve, and since then they've won one game, and that was to a yeah. fourth division side. But it would be it would and be so yeah, like that's this how year's it, Klopp's Liverpool to break that terrible yeah, streak so by beating Chelsea. It, yeah, I get it. Yeah, and and with Mane, they will be they will be more formidable. I just I don't see it yeah. happening. Um, it should be noted some news. Uh, Roberto Firmino's drunk driving court case got pushed back to Wednesday huh. because apparently. Apparently, Liverpool takes drunk driving just as seriously as the Premier League takes concussions. Oh, so. zinger. Hot take. But we already knew that because Steven Gerrard used to have his court cases moved around all the time. Oh, of course. Of course. Yeah. Yeah, well, we'll see. It's a, it's a game to look forward to. I'm definitely going to try to find my way, if not to the Arsenal bar, at least to some place with a couple screens so I can keep an eye on each match tomorrow. Uh, the... The fixture for Manchester United does not arrive until Wednesday, and they play host to Hull City. I mean, this, I have to admit, this kind of seems similar to Arsenal-Watford, except with even more chips in Man U's corner. I mean, I don't, it, it's hard for me to pick City winning a game at this point. It is, except for the fact that they just beat us last week with a pretty full-strength squad. Um... Like, we took the League Cup semifinal pretty seriously. And we barely beat them 
2-0, and by barely beating them 2-0 at home, I mean, we barely squeaked out one goal, and then we got a late a late second. Yeah. I, I We lost. We straight up lost last week 2-1, which yeah. people forget that we actually lost and ended our unbeaten streak because of the fact that we actually was, advanced. Yeah. And early in the season when we played them, we – when we played them in the league, it was a 91st minute winner or something. It was like an 89th, 91st minute winner. I, I, you know, maybe I'll get bit in the ass for not being a student of history, but I think that the fact that Hull won the last one, yet United advanced, is going to be both demoralizing for Hull, knowing that they're going to get relegated already in this point, and then provide a chip on the shoulder for Man U and I, I think regardless of the close fixtures so far, United are going to run away with this one. Maybe I'm just more I'm more annoyed about about the FA Cup fixture and 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 Jose Mourinho and everything in the FA Cup. We won four 0 and it might have been the most aggravating four 0 win I've ever experienced in my life. <laughs> uh, ever the optimist, Polly. <laughs> he threw out and kudos to him. Well, first of all, because. God forbid Jose Mourinho ever gets exposed as a man that tells the truth and not a complete liar. Remember earlier in the season when he banished Schweinsteiger to the reserves? Mm-hmm. And he said, I will start an academy player over Schweinsteiger at some point this year. Like, like I will rather play an academy player over Schweinsteiger this year. Mm-hmm. Then Schweinsteiger works his, his way back in into the team. He, he comes on, he makes a couple of substitute appearances. And then Mourinho goes, oh, there's not a single academy player ready to make his debut. Then a week before this match, it's like, oh, Axel Tunzaby, maybe he'll make his debut. And, and, mm-hmm. and they're all talking like he's going to make his debut. And I'm like, yo, Tunzaby, calm down. The guy won't even give Tim Fosumenta a start. Like, so what, is, what does Mourinho do? He first starts Bastian Schweinsteiger in the game. Instead of playing the academy players, so proves himself a liar in that regard. Then he actually gives two academy players their debuts in Tunsby and a goalkeeper. He substituted a goalkeeper so that he can get his debut. But nevertheless, they had a midfield pair of Schweinsteiger and Fellaini. Rooney played up top. There was just an extreme lack of pace down the middle of the field mm-hmm. this game. And what happened? Uh, Fellaini scored the first goal. Schweinsteiger scored the last goal. It worked. And it almost, it, it, it makes you afraid that he's going to just continue to play these guys in combinations that should never be played because yeah. they do have a, an extreme lack of pace. And if it was anybody but Wigan, they would have exposed you for that. Yeah. Yeah. And then what does he do? What does he do after the game? Complains about the English schedule. Oh, Southampton! <laughs> Southampton have 15 days off between their last game and the League Cup final. Uh, we have to play two games against Saint Etienne in the Europa League, yeah. and then we have to play an FA Cup fifth round match. And it's like, all right, dude, if like you were that upset about it, then don't fucking win these yeah. cup tournaments. It's like it's seriously. It seems like it's it's like the the lead singer of the headlining band complaining that, you know, the guitarist for the opening band's room in the hotel has a corner, so he gets a better view. It's like, just chill right. out, man. Like, it's not, that's First not all, really what you should be placing your energy here. At this point, because you can't go out there and beat Stoke away, like, you're going to finish sixth. Mm-hmm. Maybe you'll finish fifth. Why don't you go out there and win three trophies? Yeah. Do that because that's very attainable. Yeah. Finishing fourth, not so attainable. Yeah. yeah. Well, the uh, the last fixture that we'll touch on before we get to our predictions is another one that I have to I have to say I see as kind of a doomed, foregone conclusion, especially given the events of the last forty eight hours. And that is West well, Ham United hosting Man City. Is, and yeah, the, the story, story is Pyatt. the departure of Pyatt, which is just it. I'm I'm kind of amazed that he went so he we should say he was sold even though West Ham long said and you know Billich the manager said that they were going to hang on to him and if they sold him they were going to get you know certainly at least what he was worth I don't know that they got that when they sold him to Marseille in Ligue 1 
for 25 million pounds. Is it too early to say like, hey, maybe the French league is back? That they got players like Dimitri Payet and Memphis Depay coming to their league? Yes. <laughs> yes is my answer to that question. <laughs> but, I, but I mean, you know, by the same token, can we say that Ligue 1 got more exciting with the arrival of Dimitri Payet? Absolutely. 110%. I mean, he's, we've talked about on this, you know, on this show for over a year that he's one of the most electrifying players, not just in England, but in the world. And he changes your mind and what you think West Ham can and can't do in any game that he's on the pitch. And now he's not going to be on the pitch ever again for West Ham. So I, it's just this decision. I, this to me has the hallmark of some going ons behind the scenes of Dimitri Payet wants to leave. Maybe some Premier League clubs are in for him. And then West Ham says, y'all can go to hell. We're only selling him abroad. Because I can't imagine that there isn't at least one, if not a handful, of clubs in England that would be willing to pay 25% more than West Ham got for Dimitri Payet. I mean, how, I, like, I would be happy to see him arrive at Arsenal for 30, 35 million, and we don't even really need a player in his position. But there's not many players around that he isn't an upgrade from. Yeah. But he's it's he's been so checked out. Yeah, but it's I I don't know. I I would like to see I, I'm kinda sad that he went to Marseille just that I want to get to see him play anymore, but I do hope that it proves it proves to be good for his career, you know. I mean clearly his career was just absolutely slingshot forward with a frickin' trebuchet in his performances for West Ham last year, you know, and his subsequent performances for France in the Euros. Because, I, you know, he doesn't he doesn't get the kind of playing time that he got in that tournament he, for France right. that he, he would have... that his season... He proved his season wasn't a fluke. Yes. Yeah, I agree. I just... It, it makes me sad to see him go to Ligue 1 because I don't think that it marks the coming... The, you know, the return of Ligue 1 to... Uh, the forefront of European football, I think. No, it's... Memphis Depay does that. <laughs> uh, well, well, you know, we'll see. We wish I, I wish him all the best, and but more selfishly, I wish him back in England. You know, uh, even though I don't actually necessarily want to see my club play against him, he's just a fun player to watch. Your your club has to worry about. Conference Premier side Sutton United. <laughs> Watch, somebody from Sutton is just going to score a once in a lifetime free kick now. <laughs> I mean, the the article I literally just read was Sutton's players are going to continue to go to their day jobs before the game against Arsenal. <laughs> yeah, yeah, which is, it's pretty cool though. I mean, it's 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 the thing really that's great cool. about the FA Cup. Uh, it's it's really great. Yeah, but, got players who are working Monday, Wednesday, Friday. They train on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Tuesday, yeah. Thursday. <laughs> That's great. Well, and so, you know, in Wednesday's game against Manchester City, I mean, I think that West Ham are going to continue their struggles at home. And even though City have not exactly been world beaters themselves this season, I think that Pep Guardiola is going to walk in there and make Slavin Bilic really wish that he hadn't agreed to let that star player go. Exactly. Yeah. Well, you know, we're uh, not quite an hour in. Why don't we get to our scoring predictions? We'll start with the match that we touched on first here, Arsenal at Watford, which, as we've already said, we don't really give Watford much of a chance, and Seb in absentia does not give them a chance either. Seb predicts that Arsenal will win this 3-0. I hate to start out my predictions with an agreement with Seb, so I'm going to go 3-1 to the Arsenal. Crap! I don't want to. I don't want to do either. But I'm, I, I go. I go three. <sighs> I'll go. I'll go with you. I'll go three one with you. Because because I don't want to go with Seb. Yeah, that seems probably the best call. <laughs> it should be noted that Elliot's still winning this thing. Yeah, it's fine. the last two, maybe even three weeks, enough. we've both gotten eight points each week. Is that right? Paul? Is that 
I got eight points. I got six last week, but I hit Crystal Palace and Everton. Yeah. So, so, but for, you know, a total of, of eight. And I think that that happened each of the last two weeks. Cause I've been ahead of you by eight points since like the beginning of this year. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Uh, well, the next fixture we've got is Bournemouth Crystal Palace. Uh, Seb thinks Bournemouth are going to take it two one. I don't. I don't think I'm even going to give Crystal Palace a goal in this one. I'm going to say two 0 Bournemouth. I say one 0 Ah, good. Congratulations, Crystal Palace, on your win. Yeah. All right, Burnley Leicester. I. You know, Seb says 2-1 Burnley. I I want to give Leicester City a victory in this. I'm I'm just not I'm not sure that they're going to make it happen. Um, but I'm at least I'm at least going to give them some points. I'm going to say 1-1 draw. So you'll give them point. Yeah, a point. <laughs> Maybe I should say take uh, points off Burnley. I do not because Burnley really good home Leicester really bad away. So I say 1-0 to Burnley. All right, Middlesbrough, West Brom. I, boy, Borough have been so bad, but I, I don't know. I think that they might be able to pull this off at home. I'm gonna go. No, no, I'm gonna go one-one on this one again. I, I just can't just can't do it. They've got to prove to me. Because I'm going one nil. Like why? Why? <laughs> like why? Like I, you know what? Midweek games. These games are either going to feature ten goals each, or there's going to like you know, the, Tuesday the Tuesday slate's either going to feature thirty goals or fifteen or eight goals. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> in the next fixture, Seb certainly got the fireworks going, which is Tottenham Sunderland. Playing at the Stadium of Light, Seb thinks it's going to be four nil to Spurs. I, I can't give them that many goals, but they're still going to crush them. Uh, let's go three nil, Tottenham. Yeah, that was what I was thinking. Uh, yeah, I'm going to do that too. Boy, Swansea Southampton. This this is this is a little trickier. I mean, I obviously, as we were talking about, Arsenal just spanked Southampton in the FA Cup this weekend, but that was a skeleton crew. And I don't. I think they're going to bounce back. And Swansea hasn't showed me enough yet to really be picking them. Seb has one one, but I'm going to go. I'm going to go two one Southampton. I'm going to go the other way, 2-1 Swansea, because they had that win, I think it was, like, recently. Yeah, yeah. So I'll, I'll go with that too. and build on that. All right, the Premier So congratulations fiction. on hitting that one a nail on the head, because that's what <laughs> always happens when, when the uh, three of us go with three different results. Yeah. Liverpool-Chelsea. Uh, Seb says 2-1 Chelsea. Again, I really wa- I want to give Liverpool the benefit of the doubt. I want to believe that they're going to take points off Chelsea. So I'm just going to say they're going to take points off Chelsea, right? You know, go big or go home. We're going to say – I'm not going to give them the win, though. Uh, 2-2. That's a lot of goals for a team that can't score goals. Sadio Mane does not make as much of an, an impact as you think he is. I go with Seb, 2-1, Chelsea. We'll see. I I think that Liverpool are going to come out of the gate just like chomping at the bit, get a couple quick early goals, and then end up slipping up late to give back a point. So, you know, I think the, they can do something in this game, but I don't know that they're going to they're gonna be uh, screaming when they leave Anfield, just kind of begrudgingly happy. But we'll see. All right. Oh, my God. Seb picked a draw? We have West Ham United <laughs> against Manchester City, and for this some reason, like, he has to be thinking that Man City played down to West Ham. Right, but they are not that far down, and nobody has the ability to keep it down and up now that Pi is gone. So we're gonna go. I'm gonna go uh, 
4-1. Yeah, let's go 4-1 Manchester City. I'm going to go 3-0. And I'll gladly be wrong about that, but but 3-0. Yeah. All right. United Hull. Uh, Seb's got a what I think to be a modest 2-0. Um, I'm going 4-0 Manchester United. Oh. Split the difference with three, Polly. <laughs> I don't think we score that many. Because he's going to rotate. The, he's gonna, like, I'm not saying he's going to rotate the squad, but it's going to be a different team out there than it was on Sunday. Yeah. I mean, it won't be Rooney. Slaton will be back. Pogba will be back. Mkhitaryan will probably keep his place. Herrera Carrick will be back. But, but even then, we played a strong side against Hull the first day. I'm on 1-0. 1-0. All right, all right. We just we haven't really beaten Hull this year. Yeah, I but let, you know, like I said, maybe I will be woeful that I wasn't the student of history I often purport to be, but I still... You usually beat Hull 4-0 at home in the league. Yeah. Like, that's the usual... Yeah. When we play Hull at home in the league, it's usually like a four 0 game. Like it's I I think I read somewhere before we played Wigan um the other day in the FA Cup when I was like, We used to always play Wigan, we used to always win four nil and then I was like, Oh, there was that one time where you won one nil and I was like, Yeah, that definitely was like one time it was coming into the game we had we had outscored Wigan like twenty eight to one at Old Trafford in like six matches. It's it's like so yeah, Hull we usually just pummel, but I'm not I'm being careful with it. Well for our last fixture we have Stauk and Everton. Uh Seb thinks two two. It's this one's tough for me to pick because I could see it being a draw, but I you know I might have to agree with Seb and the result, but not the score line. I'm tempted to go two one, but I'm gonna go one one draw. I need to pick a draw because I haven't done that yet. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. I guess you've picked victors the whole time, huh? I do think Stoke will win this, but for the, but I got to pick a draw, and I'm I will go nil nil. Ah, score. That's the that's the only scoreless draw any of us predicted as well. Wednesday night in Stoke, winter. <laughs> yeah. Well, that does it for. Uh... This episode of NRAG Sports Premier League podcast. We'll be back hopefully. You got any final thoughts? With Seb, I, uh, my my final thoughts are that I can't wait for the MLS season to start so I can watch the U.S. men's national team play against each other. Yes. All right. I got uh, today. England named Adam Lallana as their oh, best player. <laughs> That's one right. England player of the year, which is just the funniest <laughs> thing I've ever seen in my life. Oh my god! It's like. It, you know, it's it's like the the scene from Anchorman with saying "I love Lamp." It's like I I love Adam Lallana. Do, do do you really do you really love Adam Lallana, or are you just are you just saying that? Right, like he's a, he's else. an attacking player. He's an attacking player who has two career goals for England. They both happen to come in World Cup qualifying this year after the Euros. Uh, I don't know how you could give the the. Like you could, like how you could look at Adam Milana and be like, "Oh, I think he's a better player than Deli Ali." Yeah. And even if you're not going to do that, Jamie Vardy had a fantastic year for England. Um, he hasn't done much in the latter half, but he was fantastic for England. Yeah. And if you're gonna, if if goals don't matter, because obviously they don't, because Vardy Milana uh, only has two. Eric Dyer, Eric Dyer's the guy, dude. Eric Dyer's your future captain. He should have been the guy. And and I will say this. Adam Milana is a good player who plays in the perfect system for him and is the perfect piece for Liverpool. Yeah. Yeah. He uh, when, he's, Liverpool. when he's there, they are much better. And when he's not there, they're much worse. But the system really works for him. And England, not so much. He's a good player, but he's not a great international player. And just to name him the England player of the year, it's comical. Yeah. No, it really is. I mean, it, to me, it's kind of analogous. Like, the company just went bankrupt, and so who do they choose as employee of the month? They don't want to choose the guy who was doing really, really great 
before everything went south, and they don't want to choose the person they think might be tapped for future greatness, so they just choose the kind of like middle-of-the-road journeyman that's not going to ruffle any feathers, but everybody's going to secretly chuckle about around the car. I mean, put it this way, even Liverpool fans are laughing at this selection. <laughs> yeah. Oh, boy. Well, that's going to do it for us this week. Uh, enjoy the football in the midweek for the Premier League, and we'll be back with you at the end to wrap up all the games from Tuesday and Wednesday. And hopefully by then, Seb's voice will be a little less cheese gratery and a little more articulate. Who knows? I'm hoping he's going to feel better. So thanks for joining us, and we will talk to you again later. Goodbye.